0: And um, as I mentioned a few moments ago, it, it's hard for the world to see Jesus anymore because um, so many of the mainstream Christians today just just have lives that are so watered down, that are so diluted spiritually that uh, there isn't a whole lot of difference between what we see in them and what we see in the world. And uh, those of us who, who strive to be different... We're often labeled as, as Jesus freaks or lunatics or, or, or something such as that. So I want to speak to you today concerning spiritual strength. Look with me at Second Peter chapter 3. You can remain seated as we read. We'll begin in verse 14. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless, uh, and account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, Even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before... Beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you in humility. Lord, we're just, we're so amazed at your love for us and so amazed at your concern for us. And Lord, I know that you care about our souls and you care about our spiritual lives. And, and Lord, you have, you have moved me and stirred me this day to speak on those things. So Father, I pray that this time that we spend together today, that each person here will, will open their hearts and minds to the word and will examine themselves. Uh, Lord, sincerely examine their hearts to ensure that we are living that quality of life that you desire that we live. Thank you for this day, and I pray you'd bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Life can be and is very complex. In our society today, each of you must wear... Boy, I tell you, I'm getting bad. Each of you must wear many hats. Today, parents must be dieticians, engineers financial managers, investment brokers, technology experts, physical trainers, psychologists, and many, many other tasks have to be performed by parents today. So much more is our lives complicated when compared to our parents' and our grandparents' lives. Life for them was much less hectic. However, the family was stronger. Values were more clearly defined. Honesty was the norm, not the exception. But times have changed, and things are forever different. Each of us must work diligently to balance work, home, church, and family. Now, I want to take the time that I have this morning... Uh, just take some time to remind us, remind each of us of some very basic principles. Uh, to hit the reset button, as it were. Uh, did the ushers pass out the study sheets? I, I, I'm just, I'm in, I'm, in, I'm in a twix between two, as Paul said. Desiring to see, but unable to see. <laughs> so, if I put these glasses on, I can see all of you and I can see the study sheets. But if I want to see my notes, I have to take them off. Then I can't see you, and I can't see the study sheets, but I can see my notes. So I'll be doing a lot of this today. You you bear with me. I can't wear bifocals. I've tried and tried and tried. They get me sick. I just can't adjust to bifocals. Um, So I I, I went as far this last time as to order two separate pair of glasses. But I lost the bifocal glasses, so uh, I don't know where they are. (laughs) I took them off and, and couldn't find them and um, so I can't see close so I may be walking right past them and I won't even know it so, um, but anyway uh, you bear with me um, the principles that I'm going to discuss this morning if we apply them will make us spiritually stronger it's, 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 nothing, it's, no, it's no new revelation that God has given me I'm sorry if you're here today for new revelation I don't have any all I have is the same old stuff uh, but it's good stuff Okay? Uh, it's like my mama's apple pie recipe. Don't mess with it. It's good, just like it is. Uh, all these fancy chefs that do all these things, you can keep it. My mom's apple pie is the best I've ever eaten. Just, You know the old saying, if, it, if, it, if it's not broken, don't fix it. So these are things that aren't new, but they're very basic, but we forget them. We forget about them from time to time. So let me share some thoughts with you this morning. Uh, spiritual strength. Number one, if you want to be spiritually strong, focus on your commitment focus on your commitment uh, but first before we go any further let us define commitment uh, because uh, everything most, most of the time things are relevant people have y- y- two people can be talking about the same thing yet they have differing opinions because you know it's relevant Joseph may say it's hot I'll say define hot you know hot to him might be 105 Hot to me is anything above 70 degrees. So it's relevant. But these things I'm going to talk about today aren't relevant. They are foundational. So first, uh, let me define commitment. Commitment uh, to commit oneself is to do some act or make some declaration which may bind the person in honor, in good faith, or consistency to pursue a certain course of conduct or to adhere to the tenor of that declaration so given this we understand that a commitment is an act or a declaration that we make Uh, when when a young man and a young woman or even an old man and an old lady fall in love they go to the marriage altar and they get married they make a commitment right they, they go through the action of, action of being married. They make a declaration of their, of their love for one another, and they make a commitment, and they become husband and wife. By the way, if any of you doesn't know it yet, Carla and Ron have made that commitment just recently. And uh, I didn't know about this until we were at the camp out. And uh, we un, we were sitting at Apshar Estate at the uh, camp out. I have a 12-by-12 12 12 artificial grass carpet and a big 12-foot canopy, and, and uh, we were sitting at Abshire Manor, and uh, Brian, yeah, plantation, a mosquito plantation is what it was. And Brian announced to me, he said, so, of course, you know about Carla and Ron, right? And I said, no, what, what are you talking about? And he said, well, they got married. And I said, oh, hallelujah, it's about time. And uh, I understand you guys are getting T-shirts made that say it's about time. But a commitment, then, is, is an act or a declaration on our part. You know, when we got saved, most of us made commitments, didn't we? Most of us, uh, at, at the time we got saved, we made some promises, we made some commitments to God. But due to the complexities of life and the things that come along, sometimes we forget about those commitments. But we need to focus on those commitments, be reminded. So given this, I must first ask, are you committed to Christ? If the definition of commit is to bind the person, then I must ask, are you bound to Christ? In Romans chapter 8, verses 16 and 17, we read, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. God has bound himself to us in salvation. And in our, in our redemption, the Lord bound himself to us. He's given us, he's given us his, his promise. He's given us a seal, and that seal is his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is bound to us. And the Holy Spirit uh, gives us the confidence to know that we are children of God. God has saved us. He's given us eternal life. Dare we now take that which the Lord has purchased with His own blood and commit it to any other person or thing? Um, we shouldn't do such such a thing. When a husband, when a man marries a woman and, and commits to his wife, he should not give himself to any other. He should he should be he should be separate only to his wife. And and you and I, in, in a manner of speaking, we were purchased. With the blood of Christ, we belong to God. He has bought us. Therefore, we have no right to commit ourselves to any other person or any other thing. And for this reason alone, we must commit our lives. We must commit them a living sacrifice unto the Lord. Oh yes, this morning, uh, we, we we must make and honor commitments. And so if we're going to be strong spiritually we must focus on our commitments if I want a happy marriage and I do and I, and I have a happy marriage and, and, and a good wife I focus on her I, I spend much of my time paying attention to her needs and her desires and, and she does the same for me and, and we are focused on our commitment to marriage my wife and I this year will be married, in September we'll be married 31 years. It's a long time. Um, almost all of our, of our married life we've been Christians. We were, I was saved 30 years ago. She was saved 29 years ago. And, and we've spent our entire married life as, as believers. And, and we understand this need to focus on commitment. But may I say this morning, uh, I'm also focused and committed to Christ. Uh, When I got saved, uh, those many years ago, I made two promises to the Lord. One promise I made is that I would never again allow any man to deceive me concerning spiritual things. That I would study, and that I would know God's word, and I would know God personally. And and to this day, uh, even when my pastor preaches, I I have my Bible open. uh, Because the child of God will recognize truth when he hears it. And, and we need to, we need to know that, that we are being taught truth at all times. The second promise I made to the Lord is that if he would allow me, I would spend the rest of my life letting people know about, about Jesus, about my Savior. Now, when I made that promise, I didn't know what I was getting into. Uh, that, was a, that was a pretty deep commitment. But my, my father raised me to be a man of my word and, and to, to honor my commitments. And so as much as I've been able to these last uh, 30 years, I, I've spent my life um, working with young people and preaching and teaching them the truth of God and, and mentoring them in, in, in the Lord. And we're to focus on our commitments. We shouldn't shy away as Christians. We shouldn't shy away from making commitments. There are some in this room today, some of you sitting in this room, you know that you ought to make a commitment to a certain thing, but you won't do it you you're afraid to do it because you don't want to you don't want to be bound you don't want to be tied down. Well, let me just say this, if you got to be tied down to anything, better tied down to Christ than anything else, amen. We 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 tie ourselves down to our jobs, don't we? We tie ourselves down to a mortgage, don't we? Uh so let's 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 focus our uh, let's tie ourselves to Christ. Let's bind ourselves to Christ and make commitments in our life. Uh Uh, search your heart today and 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 something you know to be committed to don't don't leave this this building today without making that commitment to god and then focus and stay with that commitment how can we be spiritually strong number two fulfill your calling fulfill your calling 2 Peter chapter 1 we read from verse 10 wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure for if ye do these things ye shall never fall make your calling and your election sure peter tells us now each of us here today everyone here we have been called by god we've all been called unto salvation As we sit here today as God's elect children, we received a call from God, we've been called unto salvation. We've all been been appointed unto sanctification and 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 uh, we've all been called to be separate and, and and we could the list could go on. We've been called to sonship and and we've been called to servantship and all these things. But more directly, we each have been given a call by the Lord. An individual call by God. We were, we, were, we were called unto eternal life, as I said, and this was the inward call of grace by the sovereign will of God. Our salvation was not one of chance occurrence. Despite what the polluted doctrine of many Baptists today may say, our glorious Savior did not sacrifice his life on Calvary for the hope or chance that some men would believe. He died for his elect people. He died for his chosen people. In John chapter 14, we read, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And here he's speaking of the Gentile nations. And they shall hear my voice and there shall be one fold, and one shepherd. Jesus did not die to give me a chance to be saved. Jesus died to secure my salvation. In John chapter 6, we read in verses 37 through 39, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which He hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. But as I said, we've we've all we've been called to salvation, we understand, and, and there are seven distinct calls of God that are corporate calls to his elect people. But then there are also the individual calls of God that we receive. What about these calls? What about this? Well, I'd like to make three observations about these distinct calls for each of us. First, they are according to God's plan. We are called individually according to God's plan. In 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter writes, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect... According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. I, I am just awestruck by this passage of Scripture. Just look at what Peter said. He said that we are elect according to the foreknowledge of the Father. Now, foreknowledge implies forethought, and forethought requires planning. It denotes predetermination, which is planning in advance of acting, the act of meditating beforehand or previous deliberation. We all understand this this concept of, of foreknowledge and forethought and planning. Um, we all do this on a regular basis. We, we, we take a vacation, for instance. Let's just use a vacation. If you just wake up one day and say, hey, let's go on vacation, and you just take off with no plans, no agenda, buddy, hang on, you're in for quite a trip. I plan, when I drive to Louisiana, I plan that trip out. Right down to almost a minute, I know where I'm going to be at any given time. I've taken the trip so many times, I could do it in my sleep. Matter of fact, sometimes I, <laughs> I actually do take the trip in my sleep. But it takes forethought, and forethought denotes planning. In Romans chapter 8, we read, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren moreover whom he did predestinate them he also called and whom he called them he also justified and whom he justified them he also glorified now this verse is amazing it tells me that that i was that i was predestined that god foreknew me according to his own plan before the world was created before god made anything he had planned already to save me. That's amazing, isn't it? That's, that's incredible, as a matter of fact. And, and not, only, not only that, but he had already called me. Before God created the dust of the earth, he had already called you and I unto, we'd already been called unto salvation. And more than that, according to Romans, we had already been justified. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Um, listen, our calling from God is, is not a little thing. It's, it's quite magnificent. And you and I had better determine what God has called us to do, and we better get serious about it, because this has been planned since before the beginning of time. So we are called according to God's plan, but secondly, unto God's purpose. Let her be unto God's purpose. Everything that God does is purposeful. Now I'm guilty. I'm guilty of wasting a lot of time. I don't know about you. But sometimes I I know. You're all looking at me saying, No. Sometimes I do things for no reason at all. Just the other day I walked in the backyard. And I kicked Apollo's soccer ball across the yard. Absolutely no purpose in what I did. And we all do things like that. We all go through life and we, we do things with no purpose in them. Right? You're all looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Trying to tell me none of you have ever wasted time. But God, this is, this is amazing, God never wastes one second. Absolutely nothing God does is without purpose. Everything he does is purposeful. We read in Second Timothy chapter 1 uh, verses 8 and 9, uh, be, thou, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Now, listen to verse 9, Who hath saved us? and called us with an holy calling not according to our works but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began god never moves the song says without purpose or plan and god doesn't waste time god planned to save me and he did and he did this with a purpose in mind. You and yes, you and I are called and and we're given gifts by God, and we're given these gifts to fulfill his purpose for us. What is what is God's purpose for you? What 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 purpose in God's will do you fill? I'm sad to say a lot of people have no idea. They they just don't know why God has called them. They 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 don't don't understand the purpose for their Christian life. Do you know God will not hide this from you? He will not withhold from you the truth of why and what he has called you to do. But we must seek it. We must inquire of the Lord. and, 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 And generally, I'll tell you the best way to figure it out is make yourself available. Make yourself available to, to serve the Lord. Make yourself available to serve in his church. And, and I, I can promise you before too long, you'll learn why you'll, you'll figure out God's purpose for your life. So we're, we're called according to God's plan. We're called unto God's purpose. But then thirdly, I want us to understand that we are called for God's pleasure. We are called for God's pleasure. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 18, we read, But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it has pleased him. It is God that has called us. And and this calling, we we see, was unto God's purpose and, and by God's plan. And Paul tells us, In in Corinthians chapter 12 that God sets us in the body as it pleases him to do so now this tells me then that I should be content to serve where God has placed me to serve be content to do what God has given you to do if God has given you the ability to sing, then, then use that ability and, and sing in the choir. If God has given you a, a, a warm and comforting personality, now that's something he hasn't given me. You know, new, new members come along and they often, after they get to know me, they often say, you know, when I first came there, I was afraid of you. You, you, you seemed very standoffish and intimidating. I don't mean to come off that way, but... I guess that's the way I am. Some of you, though, God has given you a a warm and comforting spirit. I think of the Jeffersons, just such warm and friendly people and comforting people. Well, then use that. Use it. And and by the way, don't be jealous of what God has given someone else the ability to do. See, God hasn't given me that warm and comforting spirit, so I'm not jealous of, of Larry and Janet. I don't go around behind their back and say I think it's just phony. I think, yeah, I think, I think it's all an act. No, I'm I'm thrilled to death that they're comforting and warm and comforting. That way, I don't have to worry about it. See, they, God's given them a purpose. God's given them a talent, and 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 I'm I'm pleased that, at that, and I don't I don't covet what He's given other people the ability to do. Each of you have gifts and talents that I can't do. I have. I have gifts and talents that you can't do. And what God has done is uh, he's brought this, this, this group of people together and given us each a purpose and given us each a job, a task, and when we all fulfill our tasks together in harmony and not jealous of one another and not backbiting one another, but when we all work together, the body functions wonderfully. There are billions of cells in my body. Each one has a different purpose. And I'm so glad that they all cooperate. When, when they start not cooperating, you get sick. And you don't feel very good, do you? And, and it's not a fun thing. So uh, we, we serve, uh, we're called for God's pleasure. We need to remember that. Don't covet another man's gifts. Don't covet another man's job in the church. Be content to serve the Lord where he has called you. If the task God has given me to do is according to his good pleasure, then I should give that task every ounce of energy I have. Solomon tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. My grandpa used to tell me if something is worth doing, it's worth doing right. And, And whatever it is you know, if, I, if, if I, my task at the moment was to mow the lawn then, then I should get out there and mow the lawn that includes trimming, edging, raking up the grass disposing of it, that was all part of the job and my grandpa used to say if you're going to do it, do it right if you're not going to do it right, get out of the way and let somebody else do it and that, that's pretty much the attitude we need in life that's not what we find in society today We find in society today people that don't know how to finish a task. People that start something and and they they don't finish it. Uh, Like divorce. And and one thing I can't stand, bankruptcy. Uh, Listen, you made the debt, find a way to take care of the debt. Don't bail out on it. You know who pays for bankruptcy? You and me. That's who pays for bankruptcy. You think the company just says, oh well, I guess we lost that five million dollars. No. They start doling it out, raising their rates, and and they're going to get their money one way or another, and and it's the hard-working, honest people that pay for it, and that shouldn't be. I don't want to get off on a rabbit trail here. But Solomon said, whatever you find to do, whatever you find yourself doing, giving it everything you've got. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul writes, Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Everything we do in life will either glorify God or bring a reproach to his name. You realize that? We, we tend, sometimes we tend to believe, we tend to think that our work life is separate from our spiritual life and what happens over there has nothing to do with what happens over here. But may I remind you that God sees all things. God's everywhere at all times. So everything we do, we're to do unto God the lord that's why it's so terrible to do wrong things because when we lie when we steal when we cheat we're reproaching the name of christ because everything we do reflects upon god and we must remember that uh everything i i i was raised to believe that i should honor the name of my father and i realize that everything that i do in life uh, attaches itself to my father's name and, and the one thing I don't want to do is bring shame to my father my earthly father and I don't want to bring shame to my heavenly father either so we, we, we're not islands unto ourselves we have responsibilities each one of us have responsibilities to, and, and by the way we're accountable to each other you know if you see me doing something wrong don't be afraid to come to me and say hey you shouldn't be doing that I won't bite your head off I appreciate that. I, I hold myself accountable to my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm not some God that you can't approach, and you, you, you shouldn't do that. And by the way, if I see you doing something you shouldn't be doing, don't be surprised if I come over and talk to you about it. Because we're to look, at, we're to, look to one another, are we not? That's, that's, that's scriptural. We, we see our brother in a fault. We're to go to our brother, and we're to talk to him about it. And, 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 and gain our brother. Listen, we're, we're, to, we're, to, we're to do all that we do to the glory of God. So be faithful and be content to serve in the place that you are. And if it pleases the Lord to do so, then he'll give you more to do if he wants. If you want more to do, don't worry. We've got lots to do. But, but become faithful to what he's given you and God will give you more as you become faithful. So focus on your commitment, focus on your calling, and then lastly, finish with courage. Finish with courage. Don't, don't quit, don't stop. First Corinthians chapter 16, we read, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. I like that phrase, quit you like men. Now ladies, I know it's hard for you to quit like men. So quit you like women. But what he's saying here is have some character. Listen, I don't care if you were raised in a, in a, in a dysfunctional home and, and your, your, your father had no character. That's not an excuse to live a careless life. It's not an excuse to be a quitter because your heavenly father has set the best example you could ever look for. Jesus didn't quit. He endured suffering all the way to the cross and by the way he didn't have to you remember what he told Peter in the garden all he needed to do was call unto his father and his father would send twelve legions of angels to his side Jesus did not have to die on the cross he chose to die on the cross because that was your and I only your and my only hope quit you like men Paul wrote I like that I like that uh, I, I think about Joab, David's general, in Second Samuel chapter ten and verse twelve. He speaking to his men, he said, "Be of good courage, and let us play the men for our people, and for the cities of our God, and the Lord do that which seemeth good, seemeth him good." Do you see what he said? Play the men for our people. And you know, as I, as I preached last Sunday morning, is there not a cause? It's time. There's a cause today. It's time for men to stand up and take charge. Take charge of your home. Take charge of your children. Take charge of, 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 of your, your service to God. It's time that we, that we play the man. Play the men, as it were. Praise the Lord for our men at arms tonight. For our men and women in combat in Afghanistan and, and in Iraq. It is because of them... That you and I have the freedoms that we have because of them and and the many soldiers who went before them. Never forget the cost of freedom. The freedoms you have, the liberties you have today, somebody died for those. Somebody shed their blood to pay for them. Somebody had to die to put down tyranny. Don't ever forget the cost of freedom. And exercise every liberty you have. You know, it it shames me the number of Christians that don't vote. This isn't in my notes, but I'm just going to mention this. You know how much blood was shed so that you have the freedom to cast a vote? How dare you, how dare you trample underfoot the blood of those men and women? Eh, My vote doesn't make a difference. Well, first of all, I don't agree with you, but even if it doesn't, you still, need to, you still need to exercise your liberties because if we quit exercising our liberties, before we know it, they're going to be gone. We better use them. And as I said, that wasn't in my notes, so i got to go on. Let us have courage. Let us be men for our people, you men in this room. Let us be men for our wives, men for our children, men for our Lord, men for our church. And let the Lord do that which seemeth good to him to do. Joab was saying, listen, we may die in this battle. And if that's God's will, then so be it. We'll die in this battle if that's God's will. But we're going to be men. We're going to be courageous. We're going to be strong. And we're going to go forth with courage and faith. Quit like men, not like cowards. Not like children, like men. Today, if you and I are going to have spiritual strength, we're going to have to focus on our commitments. We've got to make them first, then focus on them. We're going to have to fulfill our callings. God has called you to do some things. Don't forget about them. Fulfill those callings from God, and then finish with courage. Finish with courage. This must remember. All right, Brother Gary's pointing at the clock. It's time for me to shut up. So thank you, and you are dismissed.